hey, uh, we we didn't do a cold open last week. We broke procedure. We I, we violated protocol. Does that mean we owe them two this week? Oh, I don't know. How do we do two cold opens back to back? Wouldn't they just be? Well, one would be warmer than the other. I, I just, think. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> this is definitely this is definitely this podcast when both of our brains immediately went to like, well, well, the friction of speaking for more than three minutes would probably warm the the temperature of the opening enough. So there's a cold open and a lukewarm opening. So I'm sh- I'm sure you've talked about. There's a lot of weird stuff happening right now in the world. Mm-hmm. There's there's like Reddit is destroying hedge funds, but oh, maybe God. not. And now they're, they're like there's some financial chicanery happening. Uh-huh. Like, that whole thing seemed a little bit illegal to me. But then when people explained to me how hedge funds worked, I was like, oh, that's that should be illegal, too. So wow. um, legality, <laughs> legality largely is it seems is defined by what you can get away with. Yeah, the old wink and nod carries you a long way if you have a few billion dollars in the bank, it yep. turns out. Yep. Um, I was watching uh, late night TV last night live, which I never do. And I saw ads on TV for the first time in years. Okay. Like as seen on TV. like the ca- So here's a thought. You can buy ads on like CNN late at night for like 200 bucks. What? Like they're really cheap broadcast cable CNN, not like the CNN digital yes. live stream, which gets different ads, like actual can, television CNN. You can put it in a place that your mom and dad will see it. Yes. At, but late at night, my mom and dad are. Well, look, you got to tell me they're going to have to get they're going to have to set an alarm or something. OK, <laughs> sure. they'll TiVo it. But so I saw an ad and I was like, this this there's this stuff called alien tape and it sounds incredible. It's like. It's you can you can use it over and over again. It sticks to almost anything. What? It's like it's like foamy tape. And they were like, you can rinse it. They said you can rinse it off and reuse it. And I was like, wait a second. This isn't alien tape. This is nano bubble tape. Just this is, to say. <laughs> like we're ahead of the game. All these people are doing is buying a nano tape. They're sticking a kind of half ass logo on it in a box. And then they're selling it for like four prices plus shipping and handling. And Brad, yeah. I'm not a business guy. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I am a business guy, but I'm bad at it. It seems like they're covering the entire cost of the product in the shipping and handling fee. I th- <laughs> would believe that you left. Out I the know pa- you left out the part where they gave it a more exotic sounding name. Very Dude, important. Nano is exotic as hell. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't play to the late night cable news audience, let's say. I mean, that's, I think there, look, there, is, there, is a, there is a what factor to the word nano where the word alien is like, oh, man, did they they smuggle this tape out of Area 51? What? I mean, that, look, that is the strong implication that they made in this advertisement. Um, I did not buy it, but I did I post not. the as seen on TV tape ad in the discord uh, so everyone can enjoy it. All they do in these late night ads, I think. Okay, so there's two things here. One is I think we need to make a late night TV ad. I got to figure out how much it actually costs rather than just like eyeballing and thinking this can't cost more than a few hundred dollars or else nobody would do this. But we need we need to make a late night TV ad, I think. For the podcast. Oh, boy. And all you have to do is say the name of the podcast like 25 times in a 30 second ad. Okay, (laughs) should we put the word should we put the word alien in there somewhere? I mean, look, like if we wanted to sexy up the podcast for boomers, how would we do it? Like, oh, man, would it would it be like te- tech corner uh, technotronics? Brad, Brad and Will made a hot rod. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, you know, things that boomers love. 
your your son-in-law the the podcast (laughs) fortunes have been made on less Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. Virtually. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. That's a that's a teaser. That's right. Um, is this the second cold open? Or are we just we you know we're gonna do? I mean, I feel like I really do feel like we owe them. Maybe we do an oops all cold opens episode one week. <laughs> okay. We should totally. Well, that's that's kind of that's kind of that idea we talked about. Did we talk about it on the show or just on the Discord of like a rapid fire three minute topic back to back to back like to a, back to like back a to back episode? episode? Yeah. It's yeah. just like how much can we talk about this topic? Let's, let's get let's get stopwatches. Let's get. And let's get egg timers and see how much we can cover in three minutes per topic. Well, I like that. It seems like all the research of a normal episode with uh, (laughs) with times times 20. 20. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, what if we did no research? What if Hmm. we just what if we came up with a list of topics and showed up and said, here's what we know about these off the head? I've often thought the Whiskey Media panel of experts was uh, ahead of its time. So. I mean, God, this might be an entire podcast idea. So I've been thinking about doing like a late night call in show because I've had I've been having trouble sleeping okay. lately. I bet there's and a market I, for that, especially these days. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like like I like talking to people, but, you know, not in person. And if I can <laughs> okay. hang up on them, yeah. that's better for me. <laughs> sure. So, yes, you know, yes. Con- conversations with an exit clause. Yeah. Con- always con- the best. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, maybe I'll try that this week. I, I I got nothing else going on. That's right. Um, Except this, this week, podcast. It, well, I mean, this podcast. We're talking about uh, something that's close to me. Yeah. Personal. Uh huh. Yes, it is something you've been uh, living for for a while. I was the public face of. That's right. Briefly. That's right. You were the icon of virtual reality. Yeah, I was. For some I time. was the number one Google result for VR guy. Who owns that photo? Who took norm. that? Is that it's a norm? It's hmm. does norm own it or does his parent? I mean, does his employer own it? I don't know how that how does that does that work for for employees of companies that take pictures? Do the, the photographers own the pictures or do the employers? I don't know. I my contract didn't like they didn't sign me to a creator contract when we started working for that company out of whiskey. And norm used his own camera to take that picture. But it was on site during a shoot at Tested. So that's a question for the law. I mean, look, the opportunity to make money on that picture is long gone now. So <laughs> it, your window. it's a moot point. But yeah. um, I, I don't know. I, I think Norm probably owns that unless his contract specifies other words, unless hmm. he signed a different contract than me. Anyway, like there was a moment when I left tested where I was like, huh, they never made me sign a work for hire. Like like they don't actually I didn't assign copyright to the work that I did for tested during that time usually when you're an editor they gave me just a normal employee contract because they were bad at hiring editors when they <laughs> hired us and i was like i actually own everything that i've ever posted on tested still I'm like wow. i'm not going to do anything with it but no you know yeah anyway i mean the, but that's as it should be like if you're a writer you should own your you should own your work and you should that, license it out to the that would to be the nice. people who are using it and then be, yes <laughs> yeah you should make a book or something i don't know uh we're talking about vr today yeah i don't Virtual. know kind of 
apropos of nothing, I think this just we were spitballing topics a couple weeks ago and this just kind of came up. Well, uh, I, I so every end of every year I do. I'm on a um, nominations committee that kind of goes through all the big VR releases and and makes the short list for a large awards games award thing. Um, and I just just finished up that. So it's a good time to talk about like yeah. state of the like, I know what's going on. I know that's, what last year looked like really pretty. Right. Pretty that, well that's kind of how I envisioned this is that it's just sort of a state of the virtual union because yeah. because like I feel like I don't know. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but it feels like things are things are at a lull for VR to me. Well, it, it's a weird there's a bunch of stuff happening and some of it is good, but like so. The the biggest thing that happened last year for VR is probably that Alex. Well, Alex came out and the Quest Two was launched. Okay. Uh, the the Quest is Oculus's uh, mobile, you know, mobile hardware standalone VR headset. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can also buy a special cable for eighty bucks and plug it into your PC. Yes. But I'm, I'm I'm told you can also use it wirelessly, although it takes some doing. So you can use it wirelessly with with a. There's a couple of ways to do that. The one that I think most people use is I think virtual desktop. Uh, I haven't used that with a Quest Two. With a Quest One, it was surprisingly good. Yeah. Um, but you do have to. I think you have to like sideload stuff onto the headset and so forth. So sideloading on the Quest One was really easy. You just de- you just hit the install dev stuff button and then copy an APK over to it. Um, and then there's a whole uh, sideload store that you can that you can put on and it makes it super easy to grab new software. Um, the, the other thing that happened is Alex came out for the PC on steam and it's the first, I mean, it's really the first like big triple a high fidelity, like 20, 15, 20 hour game that I've played that was actually worth spending 15 or 20 hours on. And, and, and it, it, it remains, I mean, we talked about it a lot last year, but it, it remains pretty remarkable, I think. And it, and is, is, I don't. I would expect it to be the high water mark for for VR for a while. Um, both both in terms of like the the sheer volume of art in that game is incredible. Like the number of things there are thousands of things you can pick up on every single level, and and that sounds like a dopey metric. Except for when you're in VR and you're doing stuff, you kind of like it's much more important that you're able to interact with objects in the world because it makes the world feel much more real right. than, than if you can. That is the selling point of VR to me. In a lot of, yeah. Not, like not, the, not, but, not, not so much being in the environment as being able to touch and manipulate the environment. Like that's what I want. Like, like if, if you can make the nicest looking game ever, but if everything is static and you can't actually touch and move things around and use them in like a, a physical way, then, then what's the point? Yeah. I mean, the whole point of it is it opens up the, the available verbs to the player. Totally. And and um, like just the sheer act of being able to chuck something and distract a bad guy with it or, mm-hmm. you know, bring a bring a goofy marker and write on windows later on in the game or whatever. Like that stuff is really cool. Um, the rest of the stuff that we saw. So there were a handful of real standout ex- experiences and games that I saw in the in the nomination phase stuff. Um, the Museum of Other Realities, if you haven't tried, is a is a thing that um, that Colin Northway and uh, and his team oh. built. Oh, what was the God. fantastic contraption? Yes, that game Colin. was great. Yeah, I love that it game. Got, so Colin is one of the people he's been working on VR since the since before it was pub, before people knew that the Vive was a thing. Um, he was working on fantastic contraption and he has a really good understanding of both movement and space in in virtual spaces. <laughs> 
So the MOR is an art museum for art that only can exist in VR. Um, folks like Danny Bittman created sculptures and drawings and and things using everything from like tilt brush to Maya. Uh, and there's probably dozens. I don't think there's quite a hundred, but there's a lot of it's it. The whole thing is set up like an actual art museum. So you like load into the lobby. It tells you how to how to navigate. You can switch between walking and flying and teleporting. And uh, there's also a mini map, like a like a model of the art museum that you can click into to fast travel to any particular exhibit. And the exhibits are these incredible, like some of them are just things you look at. Some of them you can shrink down and stand inside so you can like experience what it looks like as a, as a, as a human scale sculpture and then as something that you inhabit. Uh, some of them are interactive. So some of them like you'll put your head in a spot and follow a line with your head and you'll hear a story told as you move your head through the sculpture or huh. it'll make music based on your head position oh, wow. and stuff like that. And they're, um, and then some of them are more dynamic. Like you'll be in a zero G space where you can kind of float around and there's stuff moving around you and, and sounds playing when the objects move around you. And it, it's, it's the thing that, the thing that struck me about that more than anything else is I really, I didn't realize it, but I really miss going to museums and just like, I wish I could just sit down with a book on one of the benches in this museum and read a book. Um, but it's also multiplayer. So like you can be in there oh, wow. and be walking around with other people and and they'll be exploring the art and you can talk to them the whole thing if you want. Is this on Steam? I, I have to check this out. I, I loved Fantastic Contraption. I also I, I'm pretty sure I met him and his wife. I think they both work together. On so, yes, yeah, Sarah at a, makes at a, um, at a con like years ago and they were super nice. Sarah, Sarah makes um, zombie the, she used to make a flash zombie survival game like a isometric. Uh, I think it's called Rebuild. Uh, and there's the latest ones have been on the iPad and okay. I think do pretty well for it. Okay. So but they really I, I enjoy them, I think, as a zombie. Like they're kind of like strategy part strategy. They're not like a tactical game like XCOM, but you kind of explore the town and rebuild areas and retake territory and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, a, like a light strategy game. I feel like uh, I feel like Alex notwithstanding, like that is still the kind of bread and butter VR or like the stuff that is interesting or matters like these kind of museum, like figuratively museum pieces. I know that's an actual museum, but like these kind of, you know, like like self-contained little novel, like weird gimmicky things, not so much like. You know, they're not there are not a lot of like sprawling 60 hour like epic RPGs in VR out there. You know what I mean? I think gimmicky is unfair. Oh, well, um, I, don't mean, I, I guess the word gimmick sounds a little pejorative and I don't mean it to. I mean, more like they've got a hook, like they've got a novel hook to them. Yeah, it's like the stuff that I so conceptually, the things that I end up spending the most time with are probably arcade games because I end up I like I like to play the leaderboard game. You know, I like to see if I can beat my friend's score in Space Pirate Trainer sure. or or, you know, bet, better my score in Pistol Whip or Beat Saber or something. Yeah, like I mean, that. you know, those are like high score, like actiony kind of experiences. But yeah. even then, even then they do like one thing very well. Right. Like they're not what I mean is like you're not. Yes, they do. <laughs> I'm kind of undermining my own argument here. Like, yes, they did put out Skyrim and Fallout 4 in VR, but like they're not making new games like that for VR. You know what I mean? That's like, it. like, yeah, like to me. Like, obviously, none of those games were failures. Like, I just looked at, according to Steam Spy, which I guess is pretty fuzzy data, but, like, they estimate that somewhere between two and five million people own Half-Life Alex. And I, I think I think those Bethesda VR games have done quite well, but, like, they haven't set the world on fire. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't they didn't make tens of millions of people go out and buy VR headsets. So, well, well so I haven't I haven't checked into Fallout 4 or Skyrim lately. I, I played them. 
around launch and both of them had comfort issues to the point that I didn't want to play them. Like I, I wouldn't have, if you had said, Hey, could you spend a hundred hours in a VR version of fallout three? I think I would have said unequivocally. Yes. And then when I actually tried it, I was like, this is, (laughs) this is not what I want. Cause like, like those are games that I usually load up a podcast or something or have a movie on, on a second screen while I'm playing. Cause they're kind of like, I don't know. They're often like chore simulators, right? It's like get a task, go out into the wasteland someplace, shoot something, bring back a piece of liver and then, you know, build another wall on your, on your thing. Um, the, the, the thing that I'm finding ports of 2d games, notwithstanding is that the VR versions of like, like one of the things that happened the last year or so is that we've seen a lot of clones of games genres that have large followings on the 2d side on normal traditional gaming. So there's a battle Royale, there's an Arma clone, there's a CSGO clone. Okay. When you, just to clarify, when you say 2d, you're talking about like rasterized to a screen, not like a side scroller. Yeah. I, not, I mean, not, a, a flat, not, a, not a sprite based, like bitmapped thing. I, I mean, something 3D, you play on a screen, 3D not something games you play on, in a headset. On, right. Yeah. Right. Because those, obviously those translate into VR to some extent because they are 3d. They can, but um, because the because for anything where the where your camera movement is in it is integral to the way the game works, which is basically like any first person shooter, you you can't. It's hard to port that stuff over without making people either really uncomfortable or completely rewriting the way the game works, as happened with like Skyrim and Teleport and stuff like. Yeah, that. can I just quote from the notes here? Yeah, something something that you wrote. Developers seem to be saying f comfort. I feel yeah. I felt I felt sick testing the uh, games this year for the first time in ages. And that is shocking to me. Yeah, like I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'm not as shocked as you maybe because like it's just a basic physiological issue. Right. Well, but so it's it's weird because I don't usually get motion sick. So that indicates to me that the level of willingness to make people uncomfortable has gone way up. Well, so hang on. Do you mean you don't get motion sick ever traditionally or you don't get motion sick in VR to date? I've played Temple Run in the back of a moving car before, which Temple Run is a thing that makes most people feel sick, like while they're just sitting still. Is that VR? VR, yeah. There's okay. a VR version okay. of Temple so Run. Okay, that's, so that's what I'm trying to establish. You're saying that you have like, you have a, I have VR, an iron you have, stomach. You have a VR iron stomach, right? Yeah. Like, Brad, okay. I played almost all of Alien Isolation in an Oculus DK2. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, I don't get, I don't get sick. So the okay. fact that I'm starting to feel twinges of motion sickness uh, playing as mostly quest games, a okay. couple of PSVR games. That's what I wanted to establish. Cause I, I have never gotten motion sick at all outside of VR, like moving cars, games, yeah. whatever, reading in motion, whatever, but pretty much from day one, any VR game that you walk smoothly around in and yeah. use like smooth turning, like kind of standard first person movement, like from day one, like just sweats, hot, kind of <laughs> that hot feeling, the queasy, just, ugh. so, so, one of the things that's happened over the last few years is it has become clear that you can become accustomed to that. Really? Um, yeah, that you, you can like more exposure to it makes it less bad for most people. Oh, it's just, it's so unpleasant that I don't think I could expose it. That that's expose myself thing. to it for extended periods. Yeah. You have to be kind of a masochist or really excited about VR to do that. Um, the, I, so I played Alex, I played like a, a third of Alex with tra- teleport on, and then I switched to the smooth movement and I was a little bit less comfortable, but I never got to the point that I like had the cold chills and the, and the stomach gurgles and all that stuff. Um, and eventually it was, it was fine, uh, on the lower frame rate platforms, like the quest and the PSVR, that is a different experience. Now, now at the same time, there were games that used novel locomotion, 
um, like the Iron Man game on PSVR, which actually didn't make me feel bad. I was kind of surprised because like with that, you're literally flying like Iron Man, putting your hands behind you to go forward and stuff like that. Uh, the there's a there's a Phantom Covert Ops is a game on the Oculus on the Quest, I think. Tactical uh, kayak game. Tactical kayak game. It's it's basically what was the thing from Simpsons night boat? It's like Knight Rider, but the it's a car. It's a boat. So the yeah. bad guys always have to be next to a canal. <laughs> of course. It's the same thing. Ah. Uh, that game. That that made me feel sick after like an hour, Oof. like like the mist, the mist VR port when you turned on smooth motion, which I think it defaulted to yeah. made me feel sick really quickly. Like there's a lot of games that I would was shocked, made me feel bad. Like I would have been happy if mist was just 360 bubbles of the original mist layouts and not be like i didn't need to have a real-time movement through the mist island and have it look like a kind of crappy ps2 game yeah uh anyway anyway um it's like the motion stuff is all over the place the other thing is when people do these ports of the existing genres in order to make those games accessible to the broader audience like a small VR audience that has wider interests than say CSGO or PUBG or Apex or Arma has on the PC, they have to dilute the mechanics that make those genres interesting and the mechanical complexity that makes those games interesting on the PC. So for example, you know, I play a lot of battle Royales in generation zero, which is the, the VR battle Royale. You have 16 players in a match. Uh, The guns like there's no recoil really because you know you can't make the player lift their hands up when you're shooting and have recoil like the the position of the gun has to align so they have they have accuracy cones instead of that so all you do is feather your shots and like the first shot lands exactly where you want it um th- but there's no like the because there's so few players the maps aren't big enough to have like you know long range encounters and and stuff like that it all ends up being like close up fighting with high speed automatic weapons or shotguns. And, and it's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same kind of cognitive load that playing a game like apex or PUBG or Warzone or Fortnite has not uh, the same depth. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's is that, sorry, that that's, is that population one is the name of that game? Did I say generation one? Yeah. It's population one. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like, imagine if you were playing Dota, but you took out like 50% or 70% of the mechanical complexity that's of that bad, game. That's a bad example because that might make me like not hate Dota so much, <laughs> but I get, but it gets like, get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, that even sounds true of like that do metal of honor game, which just came out last month. Right. It's pretty new still. It's so December. I, I think I had yeah. not played it. I thought it was Oculus only because Oculus funded it, but you just let me know that it's on Steam as well, which is in it, it, that in itself is a surprise. But the bigger surprise to me was that you said you were not very fond of it. Well, which, so the cross platform um, Oculus funded st- stuff developed internally by Oculus doesn't come out on Steam. Stuff oh, developed externally the, seems to. That's the distinction. OK, yeah, just because the market, especially since Oculus seems to be focusing on mobile on Quest yeah. over PC VR. Um, I I think like if if they had released that game and not put it on Steam, it would have sold like 15 copies and they would have spent a whole buttload of money on something that like eight people played. That's fair. Um, But it's it's really weird. So 
you know, like a normal Medal of Honor game or Call of Duty game, you kind of like you start the game, you do the tutorial thing, and then you you know, you land, you have a landing, you have a, a some sort of big showcase set piece sequence, and then you traverse like doing combat the entire time you're traversing. And then there's another set piece. This game seems to kind of just be set pieces or maybe like mm. small combat arenas. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, like you, you do the tutorial thing, which takes a really long time. And th- then you have to do this stealth encounter and then you have to break into a building and find some guys. And like, it's just, it's just the, sh- the checkpoints were really rough in that, like you would you would do half of the murders that you need to in this area, but it wouldn't checkpoint at any point along the way. So if you failed, which happened all the time, you'd have to go do the whole thing over again. And at the same time, your AI helpers are incredibly proficient murderers. So if you just kind of hang out behind a rock for a couple of minutes, you just have to kill maybe two people and you're good. It's it's, it's just it. I don't know. It just was Very kind thin. of overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, underwhelming, rather. <clears throat> That's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, you know, because it's respawn and it's a yeah, it's a, good it's games. A, it is a big storied franchise. I kind of had some high hopes that it might be up there with Alex as like one of the more ambitious things, but it sounds like maybe not. I it, look if that game had come out last December before Alex shipped, probably I would have had a different feeling about it. But since Alex gave you that continuous, like in in Alex, you move from one section to the next. The end of one area is the start of the next area. There's no, you know, there's no like time skips or jumps or anything yeah, like it's that. A world. It's, yeah, it's, it feels like a real world. And this feels like a series of it. It, it reminds me of I can't remember which of no Siri, Go away. <laughs> Siri has thoughts on VR. It, it reminds me of one of those early. I think it was a Medal of Honor that that you just kind of jumped from battle to battle, you know, and you're not really like it, it didn't feel like a continuous. It was before they realized that they should give you multiple player perspectives. Yeah. But after they they did like one giant long first person shooter campaign. Right. Anyway. Yeah. It, so, yeah, the state of games is maybe a little bit uh, underwhelming, like you said, a bit muted at the moment. There's a bunch of weird, cool, small stuff. And then there's a bunch of expensive, like great to mediocre to actively bad like the 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 expensive games are all over the place. I guess is yeah, the big takeaway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, but and I, then, you know, I I am coming out of this with a few things I want to. I mean, like I really want to check out the Museum of Other Realities. Um, Paper like Beast is really cool. I, Paper Beast has been on my list. I've been meaning to check that out for a while. That's uh, Eric Chahi, isn't it? I believe. Yeah, and and the, well, the neat thing about that is everything's done in shaders. I think. Oh wow! Like it's it's a technical marvel. Is it? What is it? I, I really need to play that. It's it's um like it is it a, is it a, like it almost looks like a, a like a, a horrifying nightmarish version of Viva Pinata or something is it like a is it a kind of an ecology simulator it's, like it looks it is a, there's a little bit of that it's like in terms of mechanics and what you do it's probably closer to something like Journey okay. like you're just kind of traversing this world there's some light puzzles along the way okay there's all sorts of weird creatures sometimes the creatures are involved in the puzzles it's just it it's really neat and oh really pretty. Is there terrain deformation in this? There is all sorts oh of terrain God. deformation. I have, I have got to play this then because uh, he did from dust, right? We're getting off. That the seems topic right here, but if, I just want to make sure I've got that right. Yes, I loved from dust. I feel like people did not. What? I don't know if I remember from dust. It's kind of 
I started to say it's sort of like a modern day populist, but that's not really right because it's oh. not it's not as much about like building a population and like, you know, goosing population numbers and stuff like that. It's more about terrain based puzzle solving. But it's very much like it's very much like you're a god and it has enough sort of physics simulation to it that like, you know, you can like scoop out this scoop out this 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 earth to let the water flow through to turn this lava into rock so that people can cross the rock. And like, yep. it's a it's a very, very much like a terrain deformation based puzzle game that I f- thought was super cool. It's a little um, bit of like black and whitey stuff. So, kind yeah, of. kind of. Yeah. So it's sort of in that realm. So, yeah, if, if Paper Beast has any of that in it, I really need to play that. Uh, um, the, the the I was going to say the other big game that was kind of neat in a like it it felt this is weird because there's an actual like ace like Project Wingman came out this year, which is a, a straight up like ace combat, like, in, you know, spiritual successor. Um, but that Iron Man game for PSVR feels very much like an ace combat, it, like an old ace combat, even yes. in that it's kind of janky, like you're aiming and stuff. You end up doing ridiculous stuff in your living room. <laughs> the entire family really enjoyed watching. They thought it was really funny. Um but but yeah, it's like re- in reality. Th- so there's two two places that things are really going well. I would say uh, one is cockpit games, so racing, mm. car racing, flight sims, uh, squadrons. Yes, Alex, Alex, and Star Wars Squadrons are the two things that really got me into a VR headset last year. Yeah, squadrons. And once they fixed the initial launch problems that they had with VR and high refresh rate monitors and stuff like that, squadrons is amazing. It's like, quite I, good in VR. Like it, yeah. it, it really hits that that wish fulfillment aspect of like I want to sit in an X wing and like now I feel like I am. Well, and they actually did a good job. Like respawn. Uh, no, no, that's not respawn. Is it? No, that's, no, no, uh, no. It was um, um, uh, was it out of Montreal I? Studio. Yeah, I forget which one of the EA was it. Motive. I forget. Motive is who who did that. I believe. Um, they did a really good job with like the UI stuff that like the project wingman is a good example of like how not to do ports because they do, they have like problems like Z fighting where the UI HUD elements that are in the 2d, you know, flat screen version of the game are rendering over the cockpit in a way that's really weird and uncomfortable. Um, squadrons doesn't really have those problems. It does occasionally, but they're, they're hard to avoid. Um, the control stuff works really well. It works great with a gamepad. If you have a Hotas, it's really cool. Uh, it's it's a it is a phenomenal phenomenal uh, uh version of that game. Uh, f- uh, Microsoft Flight Sim VR stuff I haven't tried yet. That's the one thing that I haven't gotten into because I didn't have three hundred gigs or whatever I need to <laughs> on my SSD to, to to play that, and it wasn't nominated. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I, I, oh, sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say Just... racing. Then the other thing is like. Weird platformers is this game called uh 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 hold on, where is it? Below the rabbit hole, beneath I've heard of that. Down the rabbit hole. I'm turns out finding it in my notes. <laughs> turns out whenever I I lightly disparage VR in public, I hear from people who love VR with game recommendations, and that was one of them. So it's it the whole it's imagine like a platformer slash adventure game where you're going down where the entirety of it takes place in a downward spiral around the hole that Alice falls down to, to get to Wonderland. (gasps) And like they did a really, like it's a really good example of using art direction to mask the limitations of the mobile hardware in the quest. So it's all like flat shaded polys. It's kind of lo-fi in a way that's really attractive. Uh, And they tell the story of Alice in Wonderland. That's actually, that sounds very cool actually. 
Yeah, it's it's but it's but it's again, it's one of those situations where it's pretty light. Like if that game was a PC game or a, or a console game, you would expect it to be more mechanically complex right. than it probably is because it's mostly just like you know tapping around, opening doors, grabbing stuff from the environment, stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, the, the games the games situation is is a bit up and down with VR right now. Like you've you've outlined some app stuff here. I actually just happened to see. I guess it made enough news that it kind of got retweeted into my feed. That, the uh, tilt brush that, thing? That, yeah, the tilt brush, uh, Google's, what would you call it, kind of 3D paint application, I guess, has been yeah, discontinued and open sourced. Yeah, so um, Patrick Hackett and a small team of people worked on that for a long time. They came over from Double Fine, or you know, they started tilt brush and then got bought by Google. And uh, they basically yeah when when the team left they were like well we're gonna open source this but oh, that, development how, on is it. that how it worked the developers left and then they were like all right this is done look about two weeks ago i saw patrick tweeting that he was leaving google to go do something else but he couldn't say what it was yet so yeah um, um there were it's funny there's a lot of content creation tools out for vr and most of them are priced in such a way that they're for professionals you know people who are selling their work for money because they're they're priced like maya or something like you know they're they're multiple hundreds of dollars a year or more yeah um the the uh oculus had medium which they sold to adobe that's their kind of clay sculpting thing uh and that's oh, yes that's, yes i right i followed uh i believe they had like I'm, I'm sure he had plenty of other responsibilities but i uh, on his feed it seemed like he was almost like a a medium artist in residence kind of i forget his name but and actually now that now that i think about it i haven't seen him post anything in a while but for a while he was posting like a sculpture a day yeah on on his twitter feed from medium it seemed like they were behind that pretty and it was cool like there was a really nice looking stuff coming out of there well, yeah, medium was really neat because it was like blobby. It was like sculpting with clay, right? right it was like clay, right. but you have an undo button and you ha- you can scale things and also, you know, do all, you know, it's like Photoshop, but for clay. That that, right. that was the pitch for medium. It was really neat. Uh, they sold it to Adobe. Adobe, it, it's an Oculus native app. So that means it's only on Oculus PC headsets. Uh, and it's unclear what Adobe is doing with it. I hope that they're going to port it to Steam VR so that everybody can use it, but we'll see. Um, this is one of the other things that's worth mentioning is it's hard to port because there's not a lot of control parity. You know, I went to valve in December of 2019 to play Alex on all the different headsets because they wanted outside feedback and they wanted to show, you know, the work that they put into porting it on, porting it into different, different controller schemes. You know, and you have the original vibe ones, you have the grippy controllers that are limited fidelity, like grip on or a binary grip basically. So like Oculus and the windows MR controllers, and then you have the index and, and controllers that give you like analog control of individual fingers Um, and, and making something as simple as throwing work on all of those different interfaces is challenging. Yeah. Um, So like I get that why they haven't ported it to, Steam VR, I'm, it, it's just that needs to happen if they want to continue using it. Um, Google open source Tilt Brush. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know if there's enough of a community in the programmer world to make that continue to be a thing. People seemed excited about it for what it's worth. Like people, I, I do, again, like I don't know who knows how many people that <laughs> might be three people, but they, but I did see people <laughs> saying like, oh, this is huge for VR productivity. People will be able to extend this out in some wild ways. Now, I, I, I just, I will say this really caught my attention because like, Tilt brush was probably top three, like initial VR things I saw that was just like, well, this is magic. 
because yeah. you know, I mean, you're literally painting in open space. You know, you're literally just like slinging particles and this weird, like tangible, you know, anti gravity paint that just sort of hangs in the air, and then you can kind of move around in it and stuff. Like it was one of the first VR proof of concept things that I used. That I was like, man, this is kind of amazing. I mean, the the demo when I was showing people VR for the first time, I would always have them draw a cube and tilt brush. Yeah. Right. And usually they do the thing where they draw two squares and they do the diagonal lines and then you get them to walk like to circle that 90 degrees around the outside of, of their circle. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's flat. <laughs> yep. That's, that's because you were trying to draw a cube on a 2D surface. Exactly. So say 2D anymore. Uh, I mean, the neat thing is there's. The the really exciting thing is there's already a bunch. They'd already built a bunch of exports so you can get tilt brush sketches into other workflows like be like for display and stuff like Museum of Other Realities or also to bring it in to like use that as your sketching environment for Maya and, and other like professional 3D tools. Um, there's other stuff. Quill is like the animation. Uh, it's like tilt brush, but with more animation steps. So you can do like individual drawings and you can move them through time and space and then export those into other places as well. Uh, that's only on Oculus PC. It's another Oculus developed app. And, uh, but there are viewers for that stuff on, on the quest. Uh, then there's, there's, uh, there's a bunch of other things. There's Google has this, this cube. It's blocks, I think is what they call it. Um, but it's, it's like, uh, like building things out of primitives. So if you want to build spaceships and stuff like that, it's pretty good for that. Um, and then there's a bazillion startups, but I, I think realistically it's, it's this, this space in particular is in a weird waiting for AR space. Cause I yeah. feel like, I feel like that's, I feel like that's where we're at. Like nobody really figured out, Hey, here's what the UI should look like for this kind of app. Like there's no analog to the Photoshop tool, like that tool tray with all the, right all the stuff on the I, side. I, I was going to say, it's not clear to me how many, how many artists are actually out there using these things in their workflows for th like non VR applications. Like it kind of is reminiscent to me of that pie in the sky, magic leap idea of like, well, we're never going to have monitors again because everybody will just sit at their desks with these AR glasses on. And well, it hasn't, it has not quite come to fruition. So the people that I know, the artists that I know that were working, that I was working with, um, mostly would use it as a sketching Okay. Situation. Like a concepting. So, like, so that that sounds like a good application for that, actually. Not, not necessarily like production assets are going to come out of that, but more just like here's a quick way to like concept out some stuff to, to look at in 3D. Well, I mean, there's no reason that production assets can't come out of that. But but um, around launch, the headsets were a little bit low resolution, so it was hard to see exactly what you were doing. That's less of a problem now with the Index and the Reverb 2 and and the even the Oculus, uh, the Rift, Rift S. Um, but, but it's, it's a, it's a thing. So for me, as somebody who's bad at using the four pane traditional CAD interface, you know, the X, Y, Z view, and then, and then the, the 3d preview, like my brain can't convert between what those three panes show and a 3d model, unless it's straight edged, right. Or, or circles or something like that. So like being able to load up medium and sculpt clay, my brain, I, I can do that. Uh, so I feel like if you're already a 3D artist, probably you're not the kind of person that can't use those four pane CAD interfaces. So you know, maybe the market for that stuff is limited. I, I don't know. Uh, the folks I know that use that stuff for production assets find it to be much faster and, and more 
effective. And it's also a lot easier to do stuff that was really complicated on 3D spaces, like, you know, voids inside things and stuff like that. Anyway, sure. um, it, it's the other stuff. There's a bunch of demo stuff like, I mean, Google Earth is still cool. All that stuff is still out there, but it's 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 slowed down a little bit. It seems right. Like. That's kind of the point of all of this to me is like, eh, it's been a while since there was a Google Earth, you know, like the the kind of the, the big showpiece events in VR are not as frequent as they were. I mean, we we talked about this. We've talked about this off off pod before, but um, it feels to me like at this point, if you're buying a VR headset, fitness stuff is really good. That's yeah. something you'll do every day. Whether that's something it's, that's something that's interested me. But the idea of sweating all over my several hundred dollar, <laughs> very high tech piece of equipment is not appealing. You, well, you um, you can you most of them have foam open or closed cell foam face masks by default. You can get like uh, leather leather replacement ones that will make them less absorbent, which is probably good for the electronics. Um, I, I don't, I've sweated in both my Vive Pro and my uh, Index a lot and have had no problems and my Quest. Uh, so yeah, like like even Oculus has even leaned into this and has a fitness app that uses like Beat Saber mini games and Pistol Whip mini games to do leg and arm day. So if you put some <laughs> wrist weights on, you can you can actually yeah you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get huge you know Dwayne Johnson muscles but you'll you'll burn calories yeah, um, that's cool and then stuff like box VR and the, the like there's a ton of fitness apps that are pretty good there's dancing apps there's all sorts of stuff um you want to talk about headsets yeah sure the state yeah, of the headset market kind of a quick rundown of the stuff I mean a lot of it has been out there for a while but yeah yeah so um. I think starting with the old stuff, it seems like PSVR is basically dead. Yeah, I, I threw that in here. That God, when was that? Uh, prior to I think it was just prior to the PS5 launch. Jim Ryan, the head of PlayStation, did an interview with The Washington Post where he just kind of <laughs> threw cold water all over VR or PlayStation VR in particular. They sold they sold. The, if you bought a PS5, you get a free dongle that makes it work yes. with your PSVR, yes, right? You can, yeah, you can use the exam. They said that way before PS5 came out that the, the original headset would be compatible. But the implication was, and there were even some patents going around that people dug up that they were also working on a next gen PSVR. For yeah, PS5. And well, maybe probably, probably, I mean, let me pull How up. Many, that thing re- sold. It sold. Well, it so was that the was selling VR headset for a long time. That was in this, this Washington post story that, uh, I'll just quote, while 5 million headsets were sold by January of this year, this was last year, I believe, uh, sales were slowing in 2020. So like mm-hmm. 5 million, I, I mean, when I read that, it, you know, 5 million sounds like a lot of VR headsets, although against the what, 80 the million PS4, you know, it's, it's, it's way more than that. The, 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 against the full, let me see. I, I think they're way past a hundred million. Uh, I'm seeing numbers, 110, 112. Yeah, they passed 100 million in like mid 2019. So, oh, wow. You know, okay. if we we're talking like less than 5% of your user base has the headset. That's like 5 million is a pretty big number, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not much in the it's kind of a drop in the bucket of the overall uh, PlayStation audience. But um, I mean, the, the unfortunate thing is that they were using what are essentially PS3 controllers yeah. that have a single point of data like the, like those controllers were always pretty good at tracking 
X and like left and right and up and down. But if you had to move closer or further away from the camera, it's they, they're bad at that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I didn't work on the PlayStation VR. I could be wrong, but it, to me, it, to me, it seemed like depending on that camera for the tracking was really the, the Achilles heel of the PSVR. It's never been, it's never been stable for me. Like, you know, I've, I've used most of the PC headsets at one time or another, and they, they generally all track like they're supposed to, you know, like obviously setting up lighthouses is a pain in some cases and like inside out is what it is. But the, the tracking on the PSVR has always been by far the least reliable to me. So for me, the headset always worked great, but the hands tend to fly off into space, which means huh. they lose tracking. Yeah. But I mean, I think I think it varies wildly based on your room. Like yeah. if I have big glass windows opposite the TV in my living room and when the shades are up, then I can't use the PSVR in there because it sees two copies of the headset. Right. 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 Um, the they're still releasing games. Uh, like that yeah. Iron Man game came out this year. There's a couple other things yeah. that came out. Well, Iron Man, God, is will be a year old before we know it. It's been, it was like May or something last year. Oh, right? that's Hitman, right. Hitman 3 is probably the biggest recent example. It just came out and has yeah. a VR mode. But you have to download the, and granted, it's one purchase. You get the PS4 and 5 versions for the $160. But you, if you have a PS5 and a PSVR, you literally have to download the PS4 SKU of Hitman 3 is to there, play wait. the VR version because... If I if I read that interview correctly, uh, you, you essentially can't make a PS5 PSVR game like it has to be like I assume I assume what they're saying is there's no API support for a native PS5 game to have VR in it. I Ugh. could be wrong about that, but that's that's the implication is that they basically said you can play PS4 VR games on a PS5, but there will not be PS5 VR games for anytime soon. And he basically said. I mean, the quote, the quote was, I should just pull it up. It's, is it the, maybe we'll get back to that eventually. I think we're more than a few minutes from the future of VR. Uh, PlayStation believes in VR. Sony believes in VR. And we definitely believe at some point in the future, VR will represent a meaningful component of interactive entertainment. Will it be this year? No. Will it be next year? No. But will it come at some stage? We believe that. So 2023. So yeah, like they probably, they probably are working. They probably yeah. are working on another headset, but who knows when or is this, if it will see the light of day. Is this Sony Europe versus Sony US business? Hat? Is this like, like the normal? Well, he runs everything now. Like, okay. I mean, yes, probably behind the scenes on some level, there is maybe some level of territoriality uh, or power struggle or something, but like, yeah, he is, he is the head of the whole thing now. So he is speaking for the company. Um, so yeah, like I, 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 yeah, this was a little bit of a shock to me cause I had always been under the impression that PSVR was kind of the most successful headset. Well, the story they were telling in the first part of last, I mean, it probably is the most successful headset. Yeah. yeah by the numbers is what in I mean. terms of numbers, but yeah. Um, the story they were telling at the start of the year last year was, Hey, we're going to keep supporting this thing. We're going to make it work with your PS fives. Uh, and there's going to be new stuff coming out. And then, you know, well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. With, with this, with this weird, like one foot in the last generation approach that they've got here, I would be shocked if there are a ton more PSVR games anytime soon. Yeah. If it, if it's going to, it's probably gonna be stuff that's late. Yeah, right. Beyond, yeah. Beyond stuff that is like, has been in development for a while. Um, well, okay. So the PC side is, is equally complicated. Um, the second generation Vive, the Cosmos is pretty, is it, is their inside out headset? And at least I haven't used it in more than a year, but when I used the inside out tracking version of that headset, it was almost unusable. What? Um, the Cosmos. What? Yeah, it was bad. How's that possible? <laughs> there have been good inside out headsets on the market for like three years now. <laughs> 
Well, they did a bad job of it. It didn't work very well for me. Wow. Um, And it uses the old wand style controllers as well. Huh. Is that right? I I can't remember. I mean, it's probably telling not be right. It's probably telling that when I looked over these notes and saw the phrase Vive Cosmos, I had no idea what it was like. I like I, I, you know, I know what the valve index is. I know what the Vive and the Vive Pro are. Uh, Uh, so the thing about Quest, the Cosmos Quest, Quest 2, Rift, Rift S, Windows, like I know all of those, but I, Vive Cosmos was like, what? Well, so the thing about the Cosmos is you can buy face plates for it that add functionality like like the oh, hand weird. tracking stuff and things like that. Huh. Um, they actually sold a face plate and sold it in a bundle eventually with the face plate where it just has the normal lighthouse sensors on the front. And that worked OK. Is it my understanding? HTC. HTC. Is yeah. it Vive? Is Vive an HTC brand? Vive is it, an it, HTC. It has brand. it has nothing to do with or not nothing to do with Valve, but it's not owned by Valve. It's it is HTC's property, right? So yeah, Valve Valve creates the technology um, and the lighthouses, right? And then uh, HTC was using the the sensors and was doing the rest themselves for the for the lighthouse tracked versions yeah. for the inside out tracked versions. They were doing it all themselves. OK. Um, and so the index still uses the lighthouses as well. Is that correct? The index uses the lighthouses. That it is, uses V2 lighthouses. That's shocking to me like that. Did that come out? Like time is such a blur, man. I swear to God. I mean, Alex, Alex is one of those games that came out right around the time that the pandemic started. So it's like impossible to think back on that sequence of events. But didn't the index basically come out around the time of Alex? Like, wasn't it sort of time to that launch or no? No. So the index came out in 2019, but it was it was sold out constantly. That's what it was. And they had a big dump of new SKUs that they released in time for Alex. Okay, right. But like it's just new. Yeah, new hardware. As much as much as Valve has been behind the technology of VR, it was shocking to me that when they finally made their own headset that they didn't push the tracking forward and that they relied on that. Well, old external model. Here's the thing. The tracking on the index is the best that you can get. I like believe there's no there's no skipping. There's no glitching. If something's weird, it's because your computer is fucked up, not because the tracking has gone bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe it. But at the same time, my very old, like first gen Windows mixed reality headset that I bought for one hundred ninety nine dollars <laughs> that has inside out tracking is like ninety nine percent totally fine. Like the just the, the convenience factor to me offsets any kind of shortcomings in the tracking, like having to mount that stuff in your room. Just uh well, so the places that the inside out tracking breaks down are things like holding up your hands right up to your face to yeah. like aim a gun, you know, like to ADS oh, totally. I mean, down a gun, stuff like the, that. The the old the old MR headsets. I mean, I guess we're skipping ahead a little bit here, it's but fine. like uh, those things are especially limited because like the controllers, the, the field of view for controller tracking is incredibly limited. Like if you basically move the controllers kind of over your shoulder, it will, it doesn't completely lose them because I think it's still got like gyroscope accelerometer it, it, data it infers, yeah. coming in. But part of the tracking of the controllers is based on the headset, the front of the headset being able to see them. So like that is very limited, but even then, like it's not the end of the world. Like it still <laughs> mostly it, works. It's very manageable for games is yeah. what I would say. Yeah. Um, if you're doing content creation stuff, the precision, the extra precision of the, of the lighthouse sensors versus the inside out hand tracking stuff is, is, good like you that i could definitely like, see but at that re- point i mean at that point you're outfitting a workspace like if, if those are That's your it. needs like you are devoting space to that and that is fine but like for just a home office living room kind of situation like having to mount those sensors is just kind of a lot um the uh so you can use oculus so on the steam vr stuff the cosmos the index the old vive the vive pro there's a couple other smaller headsets we don't need to get into um 
like smaller, mar- like tiny markets, size headsets. Um, they work with everything on Steam, obviously. They also work with Oculus native, Oculus native stuff using a third-party tool called Revive, which is has always been a little bit janky. It's better than it has been in the past. Um, there's not a ton of first-party Oculus stuff, so mostly you're playing old things at this point, like Echo Arena and 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 uh, you know the shooting galleries and stuff that they released over the last few years. Um, and it also works with VR games on other stores like Epic. Because when you play a VR game that's on the Epic Store, it just fires up Steam VR. That's so which weird. Which is really weird. Yeah. The 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 overlapping and like piggybacking kind of platforms for VR is the weirdest thing. Cause like not to I mean, I'm I am I am speaking very mixed reality centrically here, because that's what I own, but like that thing does Steam VR, but yeah, like you launch you launch into the mixed reality interface, which is a very Microsoft store looking like modern art museum kind of interface and then you launch a steam thing and then it launches steam vr inside of that and then you're in the steam vr interface and so from what you're saying if i were to play oculus games on this mixed reality headset i would go mr interface and then the steam vr interface and then the oculus interface on top like i would literally be stacking like three Then revive then the oculus interface okay so three and a half basically like it's it's just it's kind of a mess like you know it's a bunch of walled gardens basically right Look, man, you just got to jack into the the mixed reality store. And then from there, you jack into Steam VR. And uh, then you soft, you jack in your soft for the revive. Like if you're and saying that, you, if, yeah. if you're saying the VR is just inception, I think I'm out. You can just recall those robots, man. That's what you need. To do. Uh, yeah, it's it, that that stuff's weird. It works like I, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it works. It's just a little bit. It's very confusing to get used to. It of, is like which which interface am I in right now? What do I need to launch first and then second? Yeah. The, so the thing I'll say about the index is I think that those hand controllers are my favorites. And that's um, the one that's the one with the individual finger. It, it's the controls. one with the individual finger. It's capacitive along the along the the edges of your fingers. And it it like it will model the curl of your finger, even though it's not measuring it directly. It's it's inferring still from pretty good data. But uh, there's a stick on the top. The stick has had problems over the years. It seems like the newer versions, like the newer revs of the hardware are better. Um, but on the, some of the initial ones, if you, if you move the stick all the way to one of the extremes, the out, I think it's the outside extreme and then try to click the stick. It won't click because you've out, you're outside the range of motion. But other than that, it, they seem pretty reliable. I've whacked the shit out of mine and they still work. Um, walls, it turns yes. out are still VR's natural enemy. Um, and and when you're playing a game, I mean, Alex obviously was designed with that controller in mind, but it's really cool to like to like make a grasping motion with your fingers to gravity, pull stuff up towards you and then chuck it and, and have that work well. Um, the Oculus PC side is the Rift S, which is still available. It seems like they're moving away from that. It's unclear. Like they haven't said they're going to end of life it, but it's Facebook. So who knows? They could kill it at any moment. Um I, it's it's probably the best deal in PC VR right now because the the older Windows MR headsets are no longer really available. Um, and the controller, the Rift S controllers are really good, re- really reliable. They use normal AA batteries. So like when you run out of battery in a controller, you just pop a new one in. And if you use Loops or something, you can you, you're basically wasting nothing. Sure. Um, but I mean, are they there have to be quest only games coming out at this point, right? Like, are you like, if you're, if you're buying into a rift at this point, are you potentially just kind of shutting yourself out of most of that, their ongoing development? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're, if you buy a rift at this point, you're, you're committing to buying stuff from steam pretty yeah. much. Um, 
the the that headset's three hundred bucks. Oculus is selling stuff on mobile and PC. Some of it's cross by, but most of it isn't. So you have to kind of pay attention and think about where you want to play stuff. Um, I, I've like generally speaking, I find the mobile headsets to be pretty underpowered to the point that like worse than the PSVR in some cases. Uh, the Quest 2 is more capable and it seems like they're selling at a really impressive rate. So like the market will probably push toward not supporting the Quest 1 earlier than it would be would in like a PS4 Pro type situation. Sure. Um, I mean, at end of the day, like it's still kind of souped up mobile phone hardware in there, right? I mean, you could. Well, so the Quest 1 is definitely that the Quest 2 like like they have hardware acceleration for the inside for the slam tracking the inside out tracking and all that kind of stuff so like it takes a lot of the load off of the a lot of that load off of the CPU which isn't happening on the on the Quest 1 um you can do like the the second version of that isn't is a dramatically more capable piece of hardware that's fair it, it whether that matters is entirely up to developers deciding whether or not they want to shut out however many people bought i like Here's the other thing. Oculus doesn't post sales numbers for any of their hardware. So like, I don't have any idea whether it could be that Oculus has already sold an order of magnitude more Quest 2s than they sold Quest 1s, you know, and and, and they don't, nobody cares about the Quest 1 hardware six months from now. I, I don't know. Um, but but you can also plug the Quest in, both of the Quests in with a, a special cable. It's a USB 3 Type-C cable. Uh, that's 80 bucks and 16 feet long, and that will let you play PC games. Uh, it's not particularly comfortable because where because of where you plug in the USB cable on the Quest One, on the Quest Two, especially with the Pro Audio strap or the Elite strap, it's it's much more much more usable. Um, I I haven't really spent substantial time with the Quest Two, um, but the thing that all the reviewers said is that with the Elite strap, it's very comfortable. Uh, you can get a $50 strap that has nothing. It's just a physical, more comfortable strap with, I think, some uh, uh, that that replaces the cloth one that it ships with. Or for 130 bucks, you can get one with a battery on it, too, that uh, like counterbalances the front of the headset a little bit and gives you a lot more playtime. Uh, and and that starts at, I think, 400 bucks. I can't remember. But it's it's like that's a pretty good if if. If you just want to get some VR and you want to play some Beat Saber and play some Pistol Whip and like you're probably not going to get Medal of Honor on there, you're definitely not going to get Alex on there unless you use the link cable. But you can play Steam VR games if you get the link cable for 80 bucks. So, yeah, like that that thing acting as just a sort of quote unquote dumb headset that connects to your PC where the PC does the processing. So like it is a real VR headset like these others in addition to being a standalone. Like that is a huge selling point to me. Like if it didn't have that that thing would be a non-starter for someone like me, you know, like well, if, if it was limited to only games that could run on the headset, then no, thank you. But since you can, you could hook it up and play Alex on it as well. That's kind of a big deal. Well, so the thing I'll say is that for every, for every kind of disappointing quest game I've played, there's, there's pretty amazing, like the room, the port of the room, the VR room game, the room room game is, you know, it has issues that are mostly related to it being a straight port of a, of a, of an iPad game. Yeah. Um, like it has weird UI choices and stuff like that, that I wouldn't do if I was making a, a VR native game. Uh, but it, it runs really well in quest. Like that stuff is really good. And, and like, there's no, 
like I notice a little bit of a frame rate difference playing Beat Saber or Pistol Whip or Space Pirate Trainer on Quest versus uh, uh, Steam, but you know it's the that experience is fabulous totally so i'm, really I'm not saying the quest native stuff is bad or anything it's just that there there are always going to be things like alex that will just be yeah. pc only and having having the option to also play those on the quest is a pretty big selling point exactly um the interesting thing is i my bet is that the psvr stuff probably ports pretty straight to quest sure um, i could see that yeah yeah uh Let's see what else. Windows, uh, Windows MR. Windows mix, MR. Mix, yeah. So mixed reality, which I'm sort of shocked still exists, but here we are. Look, they just, uh, so most of the first gen headsets are, are no longer available. Yeah. Um, I, I, when, I, I got in when there was basically there was a fire sale. So this is why I'm so shocked that it's still around is that there was a fire sale on them. Basically. Yeah. Like, I think those things came out at sort of standard VR prices of like four or five, $600. And then all of a sudden one day I saw, People going like, hey, the Lenovo Explorer is $199 right now. And I'm like, hey, that's that's a pretty decent price to check out some VR. Sure, I'll give that a shot. So like it was, what is it, Lenovo, HP, Samsung. Like Samsung. There were like six different companies making MR Dell, headsets. I think Dell, made one. Dell made one, yes. A couple it's, others. It's all, it's all kind all, of the normal Microsoft OEMs, OEM right, partners. Totally. And they kind of all just went on deep sale and then ceased to exist. So I was like, well, this platform is probably going away soon, but... They're much, still releasing I'll, updates for the portal. Right. So that's the thing. Like the, they, I think from what I can tell, I think they tend to come with the kind of windows feature updates, the, you know, your, your 20 H four or whatever they're calling the, you know, the semi-annual updates, but, um, but yeah, they, they still like support the platform aspect of it. Yeah. They, so, um, HP just announced, just released the reverb two at the end of last year. Yeah. So um, that, that really surprised me to see a new MR headset come out. Well, so it's interesting because it's a part, it seems like kind of a partnership. Um, Valve makes the uh, uh, lenses and speakers for it. So it uses the planar speakers from the index uh, and the, and the, the, the Fresnel lenses that, um, that they use on the index. Uh, Norm really liked it. I haven't actually used like normally I, when new new headsets come out, I go over to the tested officer to Norm's house and try stuff out. And for obvious reasons that hasn't happened in the last, uh, 10 months, but, uh, uh, he, he seemed to really like it in his review. The reviews are pretty good. The controllers have always kind of been the weak spot of the windows MR stuff. Yeah, they're okay. Um, Samsung made really good windows MR controllers, uh, and they were, and everybody else shipped the default Microsoft ones. It seems like, yeah. Uh, they're fine. Like they're, they're very workable. They do have tracking problems when you get them up super close. So if you want to play like an Arma cl- onward or, or uh, Pascal or Pavlov, uh, you might not have a great time with that. Yeah. Um, but they're really high resolution. It's 2160 by 2160 per eye. Uh, and if you plug that into a PC that can actually drive that, then, then it, it, the it looks good. Like the, the screen door stuff is gone. I bet that looks pretty good. Yeah, you can read text. All of the all of the things like you can use normal ass Windows. Like w- when I fire up the Windows Preview desktop preview on my index, it just looks like a normal ass Windows desktop on a big giant monitor, Man, ten you know, eight that, feet that, in front of me. That sounds awesome. Uh, I mean, the, the thing I find with VR though is that you kind of don't know what you're missing. Like, what do you mean? Like, I mean, I, I played a decent amount of Alex on that first gen Explorer and it was fine. Like, oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if I were to play it side by side with this new uh, the reverb two or like the, the index or something like I'm sure it would be a world of difference to side by side them. But 
only having that explorer in here like yes the the field of view is a little more limited and like the resolution is slightly lower and the controllers are not amazing but like especially for 100 or 199 like it's fine so it, it, it does the job it, in my experience when you put on the headset unless the, there's something wrong with the game you usually stop noticing the vr after yeah. if you if you don't stop noticing start noticing stop noticing the vr after a few minutes probably it's not a very good game right um yeah, like I, your, I, your brain, your brain kind of tunes out the shortcomings of, of the individual headset you're using. If you don't have a, a frame of reference, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, the reverb is uh, eternally out of stock since they released it. Um, as every new exciting piece of consumer electronics that came out in 2020 is. Yeah, like how the, some of the retailers I checked for this still listed as a pre-order. So it's very soft launch paper launch. I mean, reviews only came out, I think, a couple, three weeks December, ago. December. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, if, if you release something and it's not available to purchase, is it out? <laughs> does, it, does it make a sound? Like I've, I'm, I'm still like, I haven't seen a PS five in the wild yet. No, no. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. And that works with steam. You can use revive with it as well. I haven't actually tried that, but apparently people do that. It seems like that seems like one layer too many, but yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, my so recommendation is if something's available on steam, you should probably buy it on steam. So that way you're that, that steam seems to be the er platform for VR. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's where everything ends up. Yes. And then there's also weird things like, I think the, 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 the games that come out on game pass that uses, use the, the different APIs, the WMR stuff, uh, sorry, the, no, the, the, uh, uh, what what are the apps called the you know the ones that you uh, can't UWP. access U, UWP yeah uh seems to be issues getting those working with Steam VR cuz like Tetris Effect came out on Game Pass last year with all that new multiplayer stuff and VR doesn't work on that version yikes um that said Flight Sim seems to work so I I don't know I don't know what the story is it could just be a developer choice um so yeah I guess that's kind of that's kind of it for like the 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 nitty gritty like, how do you how do you feel overall about, or is there one more thing you want to touch on? Yeah, when it, the lens inserts. So this oh. is something that's kind of new. Uh, there, Oculus is supporting it directly with the Quest, where you can go oh, to wow. a you can go to Frames Direct, I think, and buy these. Um, oh, that's uh, crazy! Buy lens inserts that just Holy snap sh- into the into the headset, so yeah. you don't have to wear glasses inside. Well, it. I, was, I was as somebody who mostly has played VR with glasses on. This is very appealing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's super good. Um, there's also third parties that you can buy them for for most other headsets, include all the way back to like the original Rift. Oh, that's cool. Um, the, that usually involves like faxing your prescription to China and. Good luck, like sometimes taking a couple of tries at the lenses before you get them exactly right. Mm, sure. Um, but I know multiple people who've done that and have had good results. So of course, at the same uh, time, at the same time as someone whose prescription seems to be changing, I, I, I seem to be I seem to be ahead of the curve on needing progressive lenses. I don't know if do you have. Oh, do you no. Have, do you have progressive? No. no, no, no. I found recently that uh, I was like, how why? How come when I hold my Kindle up close to my face in bed when I'm trying to read at night, I can't focus on the letters anymore? What is going on? That's bad. It's bad. Yes. My eye doctor said, hey, you're a little young for this, but here you are. So like anyway, I mean, most people's prescriptions don't change in adulthood, really. But like going jumping through all those hoops and then having those lenses and or those inserts suddenly no longer be useful would be kind of a bummer. Well, so the the inserts aren't 
super ex- okay my my perception on what glasses should cost is weird because i have a really complicated prescription that's expensive like i i don't i don't think i've ever bought a pair of glasses that was less than like 300 bucks for the lenses so um the the uh inserts are 80 bucks for the quest the ones that my friend of mine got for his vive or for his index i can't remember which one were significantly less than that like the okay. china ones are like 10 bucks a lens or something oh, sometimes okay that's so, not so bad yeah like you can you can take some chances with that i think hmm. um i, I don't know if they have that. those for the windows mr headsets i do know that they have them for the vive the index the original oculus the rift s uh and the quest that is cool and and you can 3d print frames for those huh. two if you have a oh, 3d wow. printer <laughs> sure um so yeah that, that's kind of it like yeah how do you how do you how do you feel about the state of the vr market are you i my gut my gut my gut feeling is that i don't feel especially bullish about where it's at but uh i mean look the last year has been really bad for my company because we make cartoons in front of live studio audiences yeah that's rough um i'm looking speaking of uh stuff's happening on the foo front but just in case (laughs) i'm starting to look for work so if anybody has anything they think i'd be interested in hey shoot me a message uh i'm available um for both consulting and maybe full-time i don't know I specifically helped some brands and charities with their Twitch strategy, and I would love, love, love to talk to your company about ways to use podcasts to communicate internally or externally what you're working on and why that stuff is cool. It feels a little bit like we're kind of in a holding pattern waiting for AR. Okay. Like it feels like it it feels like a lot of the VR stuff maybe. I don't, I don't look. I, I want to be careful because like there's there's been incredible work done in VR, both in terms of games and apps and other stuff. Like there's there's really really neat stuff. But on a larger level, I don't think anybody ever thought VR was going to like replace screens as an interface for is your main interface for computers. I think people think that that's still the case for AR. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm definitely not sure. the definitely the Magic Leap pitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm convinced. Like Magic Leap. It, it, things haven't gone super great for Magic Leap. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they were thinking getting out there using the grandiose language that they were like that. <laughs> when has that ever paid off for any startup in history? Uh, I mean, look, they were they knew that they needed to raise a buttload of money. And yeah. you, if you don't have grandiose language, you're not going to raise well, billions of dollars well, to your investors. Sure. But in public, well, maybe, you know, to be fair, I guess a lot of the like, hey, this is the future of everything talk was kind of coming out organically, not necessarily. They weren't exactly putting out press releases saying like, hey, this is going to be the only interface for computers going forward or anything. Yeah, like that. The, the 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 NDAs that they made people sign before they did the demos of Magic Leap before it was public were like people. Anyway, the, yeah, they, they actively tried to keep that shit down. OK, that's um, that's fair. And to, I guess in fairness to them, that's not necessarily their fault. But like people we knew who had gotten those demos were coming out of those things going like, yo, this shit is fucking mind blowing. I'm going to go and tell you, it still is amazing. Like it's still some of the best like tech demos I've ever seen. The, yeah. the, the multiplayer game that they had at GDC a couple of years ago where you were kind of like ducking around uh, objects in the real world and shooting virtual people and overlaying virtual characters on top of other human characters. Still amazing. Like it, yeah. it is, it is amazing, amazing technology. Um, I think we're starting to see hints that glasses are going to be smaller. Um, Like we've seen some prototype slash patent application drawings and stuff like that that indicate a chunky frame, but not like a goggle type situation. Um, The the there 
my understanding is that there are thousands of people working at most of the big five fang companies in the valley um working on ar at this point i don't know about facebook but i know apple has a massive team of people working on this i know google has a massive team of people working on this um and i suppose i i assume microsoft does as well i don't know i don't know what's going on with amazon or 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 some of the other stuff um i i mean look it's it's the idea of being able to chuck a window anywhere you want it seems pretty compelling. Sure. Like, I, I don't know if that's actually going to work in practice, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that has happened is the hand tracking. We didn't talk about this at all in the quest, but the hand tracking on quest, even though people aren't really using it in games is, is working really well these days. So like those slam cameras give you the ability to, if those give you the ability to track hands and fingers pretty reliably, then that solves kind of one of the big problems of, of early AR stuff, which is that you need a weird controller to make it work. Wait, are you, you're talking just your, you can or, your organic and fingers and hands. Like you're not talking about like wearing a glove or anything that is assists in tracking, report. like literally just your fin. Wow. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, it's, it is not fidelity of like four finger tracking but like yeah. you do gestures and stuff like that and you wow. can control the ui and I open and close stuff and things like that that's crazy i did not know it was that good yeah it's it's that's um very, that's very cool i would say it's up and down but when it's good it's surprisingly good yeah um so so yeah like i feel like the when in 10 years when we look back on this and we're doing the hey remember old vr stuff it's going to be that vr was the dev kit for ar probably okay interesting so yeah so that leads me to my kind of final question here when you're basically you are talking about ar supplanting vr is ar going to get to the point where like to me this sounds trivial but i'm sure the actual technical execution is way harder but is ar going to get to the point where it can kind of de facto act as vr by just sort of like blanking out or drawing over the entire field of view in the lenses and just not letting you see your surroundings. Does that make sense? You know, like kind of letting you inhabit an entirely virtual space by just sort of obscuring your bless you. Sorry. Does that make sense? What I'm describing? Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, I think look, VR is a subset of AR, right? Right. Okay. Um, I think that probably it won't be happening on the screen. I think that'll happen on like a physical like you'll flip the blast shield down, right? Oh, I guess that would be a lot easier than just having like, because you would need a field of view that could fully obscure your range of vision, which would probably be asking a lot, right? Well, and it also depends on the, so it depends on the hardware. Like one of the interesting things about AR is the, is that the hardware for drawing the stuff that's in the world can be a little bit less potent because like, if you're not, if you're not drawing the room, like the frame rate of your room is real good in AR, yeah. right? It's the things that you're drawing on top of the room. Well, it's the, and, it's the old NVIDIA tech demo thing, right? Of like this tech demo looks for this new graphics card. It looks amazing because a hundred percent of the compute power is going into this one character model. Right. And, but, but with VR, the floor of what you can do is, is this going to run at a frame rate that doesn't make my users sick? Right. 95% of my users sick. Right. And, and that's less of a problem in AR because if the characters that you're drawing on top of the real world are running at 60 frames a second instead of 120 frames a second, it's not going to make you sick. It's just going to look a little janky and you can art design your way around that in a lot of cases. Right. But you lose the ability to do these kind of whole world, like transportive experiences where you actually feel like you're in another place unless you, unless you can render that whole room. Well, so the other, 
the other side of that is that in the five years since the first VR headsets have come out, the amount of computing power that we can put in one of those headsets has gone up a couple of orders of magnitude, probably, sure. right? Yes. Like, Especially like the, you know, once Apple jumps into this space with the way that their mobile hardware performs, you know, increases in performance year over year, like that's going to be pretty wild. Well, yeah. And and the fact that we're um, accelerating the CPU computationally expensive stuff now. So like the 3D audio, the slam computations that tell where the headset is in 3D space from camera feeds, the machine vision stuff, all of that has hardware. Accel- a lot of that has hardware acceleration at this point. Um, you, you mentioned Apple. Uh, there was a rumor that landed last week or the week before that Bloomberg posted uh, that said that uh, Apple's going to announce a VR headset uh, this year that's going to be incredibly expensive huh. and that they expect to sell no more than one per day at stores. What? Um, <laughs> wow. Like, like so expensive that they only sell one per day at stores. Huh. I did some math, some back of the napkin math. Yeah. Uh, they have about they have a few hundred stores. OK. Uh, if they sold one per day per store for a year, they would sell a few hundred thousand units, which to me sounds like a really good dev kit launch. Yeah. Yeah. That's for, yes, for something expensive and kind of not quite ready. That sounds fine. Well, and if you're thinking about, you know, like how they rolled out the M1 Max to developers so that yeah, they can sure. port their apps and stuff over. That like, seems very unapple like. I mean, I mean, Apple is a different company now, but like. In the Jobs era, to me, like the Apple strategy was like, let's wait until this tech is really there. Like, we're not going to be the first ones out there where they touch screen phone. We're going to wait until we can bring it together in a way that it becomes the definitive touch screen phone. So to hear that they're doing some kind of weird, like soft tech demo launch of this technology instead of like kind of being the definitive one is a so little weird. My assumption is that they're looking at app ecosystem. Like when jobs launched the iPhone, they said, Hey, look, you don't need apps. You're just going to do everything on the web. This is a web phone. <laughs> he was, he was a little set in his ways in, in some capacities. Well, but that was also a convenient fiction because they didn't have an app ecosystem because oh. they didn't want to tell developers about the phone in advance. Sure. So I don't think they can launch in an established market. Yeah, they were essentially establishing a market when they did that, right? Yeah, yeah. With with VR, they're coming in and competing against Facebook and Microsoft and Valve, and you can't, you can't, or or AR, you can't launch it. If you launch an AR headset without apps, you know, not having early VR apps is one of the things that actually probably hurt VR as much as not being able to make enough hardware. And we're, I think that they don't, Look, the the benefit of owning AR for consumers is that they are the Microsoft for the next phase of computing. Sure. You know, the, they they are to next phase of computing as Microsoft was to GUIs as, in as, yes. 1995 to 2015. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I think that they're not going to take any chances. And if that means that they don't have a big surprise reveal on the stage. The surprise is going to be, hey, these look like normal glasses, not, hey, these we're making an AR headset. Sure. So anyway, but I think the VR thing is going to be dev kit. I don't think people normal people. I don't think that's a, a thing for normal people. Yeah, I'm just I'm sitting here skimming this story, trying to see if there's anything unusual expected about it. Or Also, if, Bloomberg is notoriously bad for Apple rumors. They were okay. the ones pushing the Apple, the Apple television uh, and yeah, the Apple the, car. Apple car. Yeah, okay. they were they were they weren't the only ones pushing that, but they were among the proponents. OK, so. OK, so maybe grain of salt. Dude, I, I 
judging by the number of people I see going to work from VR stuff that now work at Apple, you know, just hit my LinkedIn. I would be shocked if there are not thousands of people working on AR at Apple. Something right now. has to be happening. I mean, they acquired mm-hmm. a VR company a couple of years ago, according mm-hmm. to this. But they so. acquire all sorts of people. But yeah, it's, yeah. yes, yes. It's, Vir- it's virtual reality. It's for it's virually ready for prime time. I, that's bad. That's I, I, could come look, up with. I, I, I still, the stuff I play the most is like, I play pistol whip and beat saber every week, pretty much. Right. Like I'm still, I do that when I can't leave the house because of weather, because people walking around without masks and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know if I'd still be doing that if it weren't, if we weren't quarantining. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> but it's a good way to move around, right? It's a good way to move around. Like my kid loves playing vacation simulator and job simulator and like stuff like down the rabbit hole and those kind of small adventure games that don't exactly exist on PC or console. Um, but it is do not expect a large number of Alex like games. And if they are expect them to be more like the Medal of Honor game that is like a really scope limited thing and not like a big long 10 hour you know on i mean alex is essentially on rails too but but like don't expect a big long experience where you're following a linear path and having an adventure vr yeah uh i feel feel like i feel like my expectations are managed (laughs) sure i I mean that's what we do around here right just manage people's expectations well hold on but the other thing is, it's it's not fair to talk about this. Alex isn't everybody. If you like games, you should play Alex. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like the there's a sequence in Alex. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not going to. But I put it in my game of the year write up at, at Giant Bomb uh, about there's this there's this creature named Jeff who is maybe the most like I don't like horror games. It's the most effective non horror game implementation of a character. Like it's it is. It is the best design sequence I think I've ever seen in a in a game like this. That's cool. And it works because of VR in a way that it wouldn't work on a 2D screen. Sure. So um Yeah, I mean, like, it, you know, that, that kind of that, that goes both ways, right? Like it's on the one hand, it's amazing that VR is capable of doing things like that. On the other hand, Alex is kind of an outlier of coming from a company with functionally infinite resources <laughs> willing yeah. to willing to throw a bunch of those resources at weird projects like that and stretch the limits, but not everybody is going to be able to, in fact, just about nobody else is going to be able to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, Gabe did that, do that interview and he's like, look, Alex sold really well for us. We're going to keep making more VR stuff. Oh, okay, so that's cool. Um, and then he also talked about brain computer interfaces for a very long time. <laughs> of course. Which seemed like, you know, we talked about that when Elon Musk rolled his thing out a few months ago, but yeah, um, the people I know that work in that space, like human vision interface and stuff like that are incredibly skeptical of yes. anything that interfaces directly with your brain in any kind of meaningful way. Look, all I'm going to say is that once we once we reach the eventuality where we all have to pledge fealty to our <laughs> to our techno feudal overlord of choice. Yeah, I will take Gabe over Elon, Elon Musk any day. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd take Gabe <laughs> over all of them, probably um, the the the. The thing that people tell me, we talked about this on This Is Only a Test this week a little bit, but the thing that the people who work in that space tell me is that there's not, well, A, there's some real material science stuff. Like when you put electrodes in people's brains, they get plaque buildup on them that makes them stop working after a really short Ooh, period of time. Boy. So they're like limited use only. Okay. <laughs> uh, the other, the other side of that is 
like with with from moving from computers to phones to VR, there were these massive markets along the way that that fostered development of technologies that were really required for the later things. So like, you know, the iPod begat the iPhone because they started putting color LCD screens on to bring the price of those screens down. And they started making flash iPods to make bring the cost of flash down. And all of a sudden, an eight gigabyte iPhone was a possible uh, because the price of flash and the price of LCD screens got to a point that it, that it they could sell for 600 bucks. Uh, and then the phones, you know, generated, uh, you know, inertial measurement units, you know, accelerometers, gyroscopes, compasses all on one chip and cameras and screens and all of those things went into VR headsets and those made VR headsets cheap. And there's not there's not a clear like product to product path to get to why, you know, a billion people using direct neural interfaces Um but Gabe's very smart. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe we're just dumbasses. I don't know. That's right. Um, should we talk about patrons? Yeah. If you would like to support the pod, you can by going to tech, uh, patreon.com slash tech pod. Uh, we, uh, for two bucks a month, you get access to the Patreon, the tech pod discord, which is full of just beautiful nerds, uh, that are talking about the things that they're into. Uh, it's, the converse, like the conversations all over the place on a day to day. There are something like 25 or 30 channels now that range between like, you know, indoor outdoor activities, uh, parenting, like getting work advice from people who are doing different stuff than you. Yeah. Um, home ownership, audio, video production, coding, just the, the works mechanical keyboard nerds. Like we yep. have everything, we have it yep. all. And if, if there's not a channel and there's interest, we'll make it. Um, the uh again you can go to techpod.com slash pay sorry patreon.com slash techpod. There you I go. think I'd done this 75 times. Uh and and sign up there. Uh and then we also do a, a patron exclusive episode each month. There's another episode back in that backlog with Doug. So if you enjoyed yeah. last week's episode with Doug, you can go back and listen to that. Seems like a lot of people enjoyed that last week's episode with Doug. We gotta find more mm. nerds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that'll do it for us. Uh, yes. this is our last episode of the month. So we have to thank a bunch of patrons. Yes. Um, as always, thank you to our executive producer level patrons, the bunny fiend, Jacob Chapel, David Allen, and James Kamek. Uh, but also I would like to thank our associate producer level patrons, Cedric Kozenmacher, uh, Andre Burke, Brian Rabe, uh, Sean Talon, Tom Hilton, Jacob Wilson, Terry Cox, Arthur Geese, Ben Gulmi, Dave Ulian, Dan Brockman, Jad Rita, still a Star Wars name. I love it. <laughs> Thomas Shea and uh, Graham Banks. Thank you all so much for yeah. uh, for your support. When, and thanks to everybody on the Patreon. Quite literally make make all this possible. So, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you all you all are rad. Um, and just as a reminder, if I know a lot of people don't like monthly charges, especially since Patreon is kind of bad about the way they charge, there's always problems with it. Yeah. Um, you can sign up for an annual now and you get a little bit of a discount if you do an annual annual and uh, uh, you, you back at any of the annual tiers. So I guess that'll do it for us this week, yeah. Brad. Yes. Uh, see you all <laughs> waiting for your I'm waiting with bated breath for your outro what do you got look I have to finish this because if I don't then the way it edits doesn't work right hey look if audacity wants to change the way that auto audio ducking works so that I don't have to put your track right under the music to make it duck right then I could send the show off one of these days but until then 
Will, you have the floor. We'll see you all next week. Bye.